In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be previewing the Champions League opener against Real Madrid with Spanish football journalist and expert Ben Hayward. We'll be reviewing the game against Sampdoria. We'll be previewing the upcoming weekend game against Bologna, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter on elsempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Imatovalo Iruzzari, wishing you all welcome to a new week and a new episode uh, where Inter's European adventure is about to begin. Um, but before we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelist. I have, I'm joined once again by the Semprinter.com preview writer, Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you doing, Mo? I'm doing very well. Uh, very excited about this, uh, the return of the Champions League this week and can't wait to get into this podcast. Yes. Um, and we're also joined by uh, our good friend, Jake Smalley, who pens a weekly column on Semprinter called Five Things We Learned from Inter This Week. Welcome back, Jake. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to discussing Champions League this week. I stuck my neck out on the line last time I was on the pod. <laughs> saying, you know, Inter do really, really well. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to discussing it and pushing my agenda that Inter are going to go pretty far in the Champions League this season. So, well, yeah. we, we, we hope you're right. And we're also joined for the very first time this season, our, um, our very good friend in Milan, He's on uh, Il Nero Azzurro. He has his own football channel, uh, sorry, YouTube channel. I think it is. It's called Inter Supporters. Welcome, Fulvione Santucci. Hey, guys. Ciao, ragazzi. How are you? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a good start of the season, I would say. After the summer uh, we spent uh, with uh, all this nonsense uh, things that happened, eventually, eventually things are going... Uh, I mean, I mean, pretty well. Assuming the circumstances is pretty well, so I'm fine about uh, on it. Well, uh, yeah, we will get to that. I want to hear your take on it because I haven't spoken to Fulvio in quite a long time, and he's not been on the pod until now. So uh, we will get to all of that. But uh, let let me also introduce our guest. He's a Spanish football uh, expert, journalist, and football writer. Welcome, Mr. Ben Hayward. Hello, Nima. How are you doing? Pleasure to be here. Good, good to have you, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And it is uh, the reason I really wanted to have you on this week is because, I mean, obviously Inter are playing Real Madrid and it's the opening game of the Champions League for both both sides. But it's also because I wanted you to uh, give us a little bit of an expert because obviously you follow Spanish football more closely than, than most people and Real Madrid. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about Real Madrid because to me, when I look at Real Madrid, I see a team that is weaker than it was a year ago. I see a team that is in a bit of a transitional phase, that some of its some of its best players are a little bit past their best. The young players are yet to reach that level where they need to be to to make Real, Real once what it what you what we used to it being, you know, a team that dominates not just in Spain but also uh, in in Europe. Um, do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that probably is a, a fair assessment, Nima. I think, you know, perhaps they're a little bit of an unknown quantity around Madrid at the moment because they've had big changes in the summer with uh, Ancelotti coming back, uh, Zidane uh, leaving the, the club for a second time. And we still don't know really uh, how well Real Madrid uh, are going to do this season. Obviously, uh, uh, the transfer window, there were some changes, but n- not as many as perhaps 
uh, we thought they were going to be. So, um, yeah, early days. And perhaps we could say that um, this game against Inter is the, the first big test uh, of Ancelotti's Real Madrid, you know, second time around. For sure. Um, speaking of that, I mean, what what kind of, you know, how, how, what, how do you expect uh, Real Madrid to to approach this game uh, at the San Siro? Do you expect expect them to do, you know, to go out all four guns blazing or do you, do you expect them to be a little bit more careful? What, 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 what can we expect to see? Well, I think they've defensively, they've had some problems in the, the opening games under Ancelotti. Uh, it's true that he hasn't been able to field his first choice uh, defence so far uh, due to, uh, you know, injuries and absences. Don't forget they're also missing... Uh, you know, they're also learning to adapt without Sergio Ramos and without Rafael Varane. You know, they're two first-choice centre-backs, uh, you know, the uh, the heart of that team that won the three Champions Leagues in a row. Uh, both players left in the summer. So it's uh, a new era for Real Madrid, not just um, on the dugout, but also the, the defence uh, is very different. So, um, yeah, I think um, Ancelotti still has a couple of players missing. I don't think they're going to go out all guns blazing, uh, but this is an attack-minded team. And uh, early signs would suggest that they're going to be more attack-minded than they were under Zidane. So uh, it's definitely the defence that has been a concern so far in the early stages of Ancelotti's second uh, tenure. Nice one. Uh, I'm going to hand you over to Fulvio. Did you have a question for Ben? Uh, Then the floor is yours. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, hello, Ben. Um, good to have you here. Uh, it's good to have some, uh, you know, intel about uh, about Real Madrid. Um, just expect uh, if uh, we as Inter supporters uh, can expect a game similar to the last year or not. And that is my first question. If you remember, the last year game was uh, um, basically, yes, uh, un- under some circumstances, like Vidal has been sent out very soon. Uh, but actually, uh, Real Madrid uh, just... Uh, took the ball at uh, the first minute uh, and never left it. Uh, some sort of uh, uh, tiki-taka that uh, at the end of the day was 2-0, uh, if I remember correctly, and it was uh, uh, and it was a very unilater- unilateral game. I would like to ask you as a first question if you expect something like that or if you think that uh, Inter, uh, with uh, with the change in the, uh, in the coaching, uh, will be different uh, as, uh, as opponent. And the second, uh, the second question that I want to ask you, I'm a little bit baffled about uh, about the the starting lineup of the Real Madrid, uh, what in Spain is called once de gala, uh, so the the the, the eleven players. Uh, it, it's not clear to me how uh, is Gareth Bale still into it, or is Vinicius going to have some opportunity in that precise uh, part of the pitch? Uh, what do you think about uh, so the the three uh, the three strikers? It's like. Uh, uh, Eden Hazard, I think, is going to have a chance. Uh, of course, yeah, there's, uh, there's Benzema. And the third one, who, who would it be? Who can, can expect uh, in the match uh, with Inter and then in the, in the rest of the Champions League? Thank you very much, Fulvio, uh, for that. You know, uh, it is interesting, as you say, you know, because obviously big changes at Inter in the summer, uh, change of coach, uh, a lot of players um, moving out as well, key players. And at Real Madrid, we've seen changes too with Ancelotti coming back. Uh, the defenders leaving that, that I mentioned. Uh, there was talk all summer long of a uh, pursuit of Kylian Mbappé. I always thought that deal was going to be difficult. And in the end, it, it, that proved to be correct. Uh, they had um, Eduardo Camavinga coming in at, you know, right at the end of the window. But basically, uh, there aren't um, massive changes to their first eleven. 
Uh, obviously, uh, David Alaba uh, is another summer signing, and, and he's somebody who I would expect to be very important in this team. The Once de Gala that you mentioned, they like to say that in Spain, the, the, you know, the first choice lineup, uh, shall we say. Um, Gareth Bale, is he in it? Well, he did start the game against Levante. He scored, but it, overall, he, I felt he was a little bit disappointing. There's still question marks over his um, his fitness, his commitment. Obviously, he's out injured now. He has a hamstring injury and he's going to be out for a few weeks. So we're not going to see him against Inter. And, uh, you know, Ancelotti in, in his first spell at Real Madrid played 4-3-3. And, and that's what it's looking like second time around as well. I think, um, obviously, Courtois in goal. Uh, you've got Carvajal uh, on the right of the defence. I think uh, Ancelotti, with all his players fit, We'll have Militao and Alaba as the centre-backs. I think we could see those two maybe against Inter. And uh, on the left, maybe Miguel, Miguel Gutierrez, the, the young uh, academy product. He's played some, some games already this season and has done pretty well. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, in this game against Inter. And then midfield, obviously, Toni Kroos is still uh, out injured. So I would expect to see Casemiro, Luka Modric and... Um, uh, Fede Valverde, who um, provides some important legs in midfield in these, especially in these important away games, um, you know, in the Champions League, uh, in, in Toni Kroos' absence. I, I don't think we're going to see Kamavinga just yet because he's only just made his debut. He came on at the weekend, scored a goal uh, and did pretty well, but it's early days for him. So I think uh, I think for this one, we'll, we'll see Casemiro, Modric and Valverde. And then in in attack with Bale out, I think it's it's pretty obvious, really. It's Azad who is you know getting yet another chance, and probably uh, is the player who most benefits from Mbappe not arriving in the summer because he he gets another chance to prove himself. It's his third season now, and I I guess you could say time is running out for him, really. Mm. Uh, Benzema, who is so important for Real Madrid, um, not just as a, a number nine. But, uh, you know, he likes to drop deep. He's uh, a mixture of a nine and a ten, really. There's a great quote from Benzema a couple of years ago. He said, I'm a number nine with the soul of a ten. And, <laughs> you know, it's so true. And I still feel that Benzema is underrated at Real Madrid even now. Uh, but, mm. you know, he has five goals this season and four assists. So he leads uh, both categories. And that's just how important he is. And, and Vinicius Junior, who you mentioned, who it looks like, uh, is has finally learned how to finish. Um, four goals in his first four games, already more goals than he scored last season. He remains uh, raw. He remains erratic at times. Uh, but this season, he's he's got off to a really explosive start. And he's definitely somebody who who can make things happen, um, you know, running at, at, at fullbacks. And uh, he's been so dangerous already this season. So I think that will be the 11. And um, certainly... Um, it's an attacking lineup, and um, like I said, some concerns at the back. But uh, I think more or less that's going to be the lineup that uh, features against Inter. Mm. I also saw that Marcelo, uh, the Brazilian fullback, he's also out. Uh, I read that. I think it was Marcha, Marcha or Marca who reported it. Um, yeah, that's right, Nima. Uh, Marcelo is out. He came on at the weekend very briefly at the end. And and now he's out injured. The thing with Marcelo, he, he hasn't really been a first choice no. player at Real Madrid for two or three seasons now. And he's a shadow of the player that he was, uh, you know, a great, great player for Real Madrid. But he wouldn't have been expected to start this game, even with uh, Mendy out injured as well. So uh, I don't mm. think that that's going to have a big bearing on things for Real Madrid. 
Um, Mo, did you have a question for Ben? Then the floor is yours. Yeah, hi Ben. Uh, I just uh, carrying on onto this, uh, you know, preferred starting eleven and the, the, the lineup, uh, predicted lineup uh, for Real Madrid. Um, if you were to set your team up uh, to play against uh, Madrid, a team, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with Inter's, uh, you know, uh, uh, strengths and weaknesses. What sort of uh, tactic would you use uh, as uh, Simone Inzaghi? Would you uh, would you give Real Madrid the respect that their pedigree uh, sort of commands in Europe and, and then sit back and play a more guarded defensive game, uh, trying to get catch them on the counter, or would you you know take the game to Real Madrid and go at them uh, right from the beginning, knowing that their defense has been quite leaky so far this season and try and uh, try and take initiative and take take control of the game? I think, Mo, uh, it's a good question. I think, you know, you respect Real Madrid because they're Real Madrid, but not too much. I mean, Inter are at home as well in this game. And, uh, you know, they have very good players. Obviously, um, you had um, important players leave in the summer, but it's still a very strong team. And, uh, you know, if you look at the the game at the weekend, Real Madrid came out 5-2 winners against Celta in the end. Uh, but they were 2-1 down in that game. And, uh, you know, Celta gave away a couple of sloppy goals and a penalty as well. And if you go back um, to, you know, prior to the international break, you know, Real Madrid uh, drew 3-3 with Levante. So uh, if you look at Real Madrid's issues, they're definitely at the back. They can be exposed. And um, yeah, so there are spaces to exploit uh, in the defence. So, um, you know, don't show Real Madrid too much respect. I do feel like uh, Inter have the weapons to be able to score goals and to be able to to hurt them. So, yeah, uh, take the game to them. Uh, I feel that Real Madrid will have more of the possession. Um, but, you know, you've got Luka Modric in midfield. He's uh, you know, still a wonderful player, but mm. 36 years old, yeah, he's yeah. not going to be able to, 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 to cover that ground to get back. So there will be spaces um, to, for Inter to exploit and they can definitely you know, hurt Real Madrid on, on the counter-attack. Absolutely. Um, Jake, uh, did you have a question for Ben? The floor is yours. Yeah, I'm just interested in sort of trying to work out what Real Madrid's ambitions are. Um, I think selling a lot of the key players, maybe it's financial, maybe not, you know. You know, we've seen what's happened with Barcelona, but I think the the appointment of Colón Chalot is a bit of a strange one for me. I, I'm not an expert on Spanish football. I'm not going to pretend that I am. Um, I'd, so whilst we've got you here, I just wanted to ask, what do you make of Colón Chalotti? You know, and what does it say about what Real Madrid think they can achieve this season? Yeah, it's interesting, Jake. It's definitely um, a bit of a transitional season, I think, at Real Madrid. And I would say that that's one of the reasons they brought Ancelotti back, because he's a guy who uh, has worked at Real Madrid before. Um, His uh, first tenure ended... you know, when he thought he, you know, he was going to stay a bit longer. Of course, you never know how how long you're going to get at a place like Real Madrid. Um, he had some success, and then of course the second season wasn't so good. I think he was happy to 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 come back, knowing that uh, it would be difficult to make big signings this summer because of the pandemic, because uh, Real Madrid don't have a lot of money. Although obviously they they might have the money potentially to. Um, to bring in the right players we saw with their pursuit of, of Mbappé. And um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting that brought back Angelotti. I think uh, it's, it's a safe option uh, amid something of a, a transitional time at the club. And I would compare it a little bit to, to, to Barca bringing in Ronald Koeman 
I mean, he was, um, you know, he dreamed of, of that job and he was happy to, to take it in any circumstances, really. Real Madrid financially are a bit better off than Barcelona, um, but still they haven't been making the big signings that we're accustomed to, you know, we've been accustomed to over the last 10 or 20 years. So um, as as for the, um, the, the, the sales, obviously um, Sergio Ramos, uh, you know, wanted a lot of money to stay at the club and he wanted a, a sort of um, a long-term contract, a longer-term contract than Real Madrid were prepared to offer. So I think in the end, Real Madrid were quite happy to get Ramos off the wage bill. Um, you know, they've been hit hard by the pandemic and, uh, you know, Ramos still hasn't turned out for for Paris Saint-Germain. So in a way, it, it, that was possibly the, the right decision. And Varane wanted a, a new challenge as well. So I'm not surprised really to see those two players leave. And uh, I think Camavinga, a little bit under the radar, him coming in late in the window. Mm. Obviously, there was disappointment among the fans because they wanted uh, Mbappé. But Camavinga is a very, very exciting midfielder. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And I think the fans will will really enjoy him um, over time as well. It's just, I suppose they were expecting bigger things. Uh, so uh, I do think it's a, a transitional season, but uh, they still have a strong squad. So um, I think they can challenge, certainly uh, for La Liga and, uh, and who knows in Europe as well. It's a bit of an unknown quantity at this stage, as I say. Um, but I think there are po- reasons to be positive as well for Real Madrid. I mean, when it comes to Real, I mean, it's quite obvious that the, I mean, the way I see it, it, it is a transitional season. And I look at, I look at uh, Florentino Perez and and the way that this man is is he is he really is such a brilliant, like the perfect Bond villain in the sense that <laughs> Real Madrid had no money to pay for Mbappe. That that's not why they made those bids. It was a, to send him a strong message: do not sign that contract extension. We're coming for you next summer. And I think that's that's a foregone conclusion. The way I see it, Pogba and Mbappé are signing for for Real Madrid on a free transfer, and they're going to spend that cash on Erling Haaland. That's just how Florentino Perez does business. In one swipe, in two seasons, he has Camavinga, Alaba, uh, Pogba, <laughs> um, Mbappé, and Haaland, and they spend what 220, 20, uh, 200 million euros tops. I mean, in terms of transfer fees, I mean that's that's how he does business, and and it would just it it's it, 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 and then Real Madrid are back, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ancelotti left and you saw Zidane return all of a sudden. I mean, it's it's that, that's how that's how he operates. I mean, well, I'm keen to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting theory, Neymar, and you know, a lot of people have been saying that that yes, Real Madrid's pursuit of Mbappe was yeah, like you say, to on the one hand to to show the player. Uh, their intentions uh, that they really want him at the club and the, the, you know to to tempt him into into not signing that new contract and to joining for free next summer and the other reason uh, that was being talked about was uh, you know to to make uh, people see that um, Real Madrid aren't the only bad guys in European football. Obviously, um, Florentino Perez took a lot of criticism after the whole uh, Super League uh, debacle. Mm. Uh, but but PSG, because they weren't involved in that project, uh, perhaps got away a little bit lightly. But by showing that PSG are, are not prepared to sell um, a, a player who's unlikely to renew his contract. So turning down 200 million euros yeah. just because they can um, uh, perhaps highlights that uh, things aren't, aren't, aren't great uh, in European football at the moment either. And mm. that uh, these kind of um, state-backed clubs 
are kind mm. of get, getting things all their own way. But I totally mm. agree with you. Uh, you know, if they can get Mbappe next summer for free, of course, wages will be huge. But that's that's an, uh, an aside. If you save 200 million euros, then you can put a lot of that, um, you know, towards wages. Uh, you know, we have the president of La Liga, Javier Tebas, saying that Real Madrid are in a position now, having sold pretty much for the last two or three windows, to be able to bring in Mbappé and Holland next summer. And, you know, there's a possibility of, of Pogba as well. They've yeah, Alaba, you mentioned, they've just bought Camavinga, who is, yeah. you know, one of the most exciting young midfielders <laughs> in the world. They've got Valverde, who's young. Uh, you know, uh, this this the basis there of a, a very exciting team. So, um um, going back to the previous question on, on uh, Ancelotti, I think I think uh, Ancelotti was perhaps a, a, a choice for the transition. Yeah. And yeah, maybe we'll see another coach next summer. Zidane coming back for a third spell, you know, seems Wouldn't unlikely. Surprise me. But then, Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, well, Wouldn't surprise at, me. At Real Madrid, nothing surprises you, Nima. <laughs> That's the thing. That's what you know. I've covered this club for for many years, and uh, in the end, you're not surprised by anything. So, uh, <laughs> I do think uh, Florentino Perez is is playing uh, the long game here. You know, just a few months ago, he made us made everybody believe that that um, the club wasn't going to even survive. That, that they were broken, and that they couldn't, uh, you know, go on without the Super League. And now he's making 200 million bids for. For Mbappe, and then uh, yeah. you know, possibly completing that deal and, and going for Holland next summer. So uh, yeah, he's a shrewd businessman and uh, the perfect Bond villain, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Ben. And if people want to find you on social media, Twitter, etc., the you know, the you know, what's your handle? And if there's anything coming up that you want to promote, then the floor is yours. Yeah, sure. You can follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram, BG Hayward. That's B-G-H-A-Y-W-A-R-D. And uh, yeah, thank you for, for having me on, guys. Um, it's been a pleasure and look forward to a, a great game. Thanks, Ben. Really appreciate you coming on. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Ciao. Right. Well, I mean, in if we uh, let's talk about the games ourselves, a game ourselves. I, I said when I, when I saw the draw on this pod that I think this is a group that Inter should win. I think Real Madrid are there for the taking. I think uh, Shakhtar is not are not what they used to be. And Sheriff Tiraspol, I mean, it's it's an interesting story, but six points, anything less than six points in that game. And, and it's it's I'm truly disappointed. I really think that Real Madrid are there for the taking. And I think that this this is a team that suits Simon Inzaghi's football and Inzaghi's Inter really well. Um, there's going to be spaces to attack, like Ben just said. And I and I really expect Inter to, to, to go for it. Um, and I actually think Inter will win. I really do. I think it's going to be one. Of, I, I'm not one of those who's too worried about what happened against Sampdoria. I think... The, there's so many factors that conditioned what happened against Sampdoria, which we will get to when we review that game. But uh, no, personally, I'm I'm saying three-one. I'm saying I'm I'm thinking Inter are going to blow Royal Madrid away. I really think so. I, I I don't I'm not I've never been that confident. You know you know me. I'm not I'm not you know missed, I'm not neither positivity or negativity. I just what I see the the data available to me. I think Inter will will perform brilliantly and and win win pretty pretty clearly what about you Fulvio where are you on this well uh, on the prediction uh, on the on the game uh, on the single game uh, uh, I would expect a draw here probably a goalless draw um, it's, it seems to me that uh, that's the, the that, that would be the most realistic uh, expectation that I have and that because uh, both things uh, are changing uh, both teams uh, are not completely sure about uh, about themselves. Both teams know that they are the 
uh, they are the, the you know the most uh, the most uh, valued uh, team in the group. Um, so at the end of the day, I don't know if they really want to uh, want to approach this game uh, with uh, obsession to win this game. Uh, I would I would go for a draw and probably goalless. I would expect a goalless draw. Uh, and about the group, uh, I don't know. I'm not so sure that Inter can win. I'm pretty positive, uh, as you, that uh, we are going to finally see what's next on the knockout on the knockout stage. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know actually about that because the, the 2011, the last time that happened, they were they were younger, so they 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 did not they did not remember that. So it would be nice for them, especially. Uh, I think that's that's the the good year to do that. Uh, about winning the group, I don't know. I don't know because uh, because uh, at the end of the day, Real Madrid is a is a team that is always Real Madrid. This we uh, we heard Ben, and we know that uh, Real Madrid is probably most about the name right now. But still, uh, this experience in the Champions League, uh, they are still the team that uh, have the third the thirteen Champions League uh, in their uh, in their shelves. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't expect this to be easy. Uh, even if I think that Inter has the best uh, schedule possible, the best calendar possible, because uh, it's going to have uh, the Real Madrid uh, at home, and it's always good to for Inter to start uh, to start uh, the the Champions League group with the tough the, the toughest game on mm, the on agreed. paper. Uh, yeah, because you remember you remember like <laughs> the, the game against Spurs that we have uh, with Spalletti. Uh, I mean, yes, it was it was a weird game, of course, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, it was a winning. And yeah. uh, also, also in the year back in the days uh, when we when we witnessed the triplete, the, the mm. first game was uh, Barcelona. The, yeah, yeah, and the beginning the beginning was a struggle, if you remember, right? Yeah, so the, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but playing against Barcelona, that was on the paper the best team in the world, probably the best team in the history at uh, at that yeah. days. So yeah. It was it was a good it was a good thing, and I think that uh, that this is good. Uh, also, it's good that uh, we're going to to play against the sheriff uh, um, in the uh, toughest uh, uh, the toughest part of the first uh, of the first uh, yeah. uh, part of the season. You know, because yeah. it's uh, basically between Lazio and Juventus. Yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah. uh, so yeah. it's good, and it's good also that uh, you're going to have your chances uh, against the Shakhtar at the uh, at the fifth game, in the fifth match day, and uh, you're going to to go at the Santiago Bernabeu right now, not not about the Bebas, no longer about the Bebas, no. at the Santiago Bernabeu, but probably the Real Madrid is already qualified in that. Day. So so it's it's the last game, so it's uh, it's difficult to predict. It's not uh, it's not take for granted that uh, uh, that Real Madrid is going to is going to have an all-in game there. Uh, so I think it's good. I think that uh, all is set for us to to go into the knockout stage. Uh, for winning the group, I don't know. I don't expect this to be honest. Uh, I would be surprised, but in a positive manner. Uh, so let's see. But uh, I, of course, I expect Inter to to go to go through this time. Mm, for sure, nice one, Mo. What about you? Are you? Um, I mean, I keep pushing this this Inter gonna win thing against Real Madrid and win the group. Um, so if we talk about the Real game, what do you expect? Predictions and thoughts? I, I expect a draw. I expect, uh, uh, like Fulvio, I expect a draw as well. But I expect it to be a goal uh, full draw. Not not a very high scoring draw, so maybe a 1-1 one, one or a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, and like I said in early when, uh, in a few episodes ago, I don't think we're going to win the group. I think we're going to come in second. Uh, we're going to lose in uh, Madrid, draw in... Uh, in Milan and then lose uh, in, in Madrid and then 
Real Madrid and Inter are probably going to do the same against uh, Shakhtar and uh, Sheriff both home and away. But I think uh, that's where it's going to stand. But uh, I, I also think that uh, we're finally going to see the knockout stages of the Champions League. And I think this is a quite an interesting season to be in the knockout stages of the Champions League, uh, seeing how, with the exception of maybe Chelsea and PSG, all the usual European powerhouses are in transition, I'm not going to say in a weakened state, but in, in sort of a transitory state. So, you know, it's uh, all 180 minutes then, and then who knows what can happen. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Jake? Prediction thoughts on Real, on Inter-Real on Wednesday. I'm, I'm a bit this excited, like going into a game in such a long time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's better than playing Southampton at San Siro in a European competition, isn't it, as well? <laughs> uh, you know, so there's that. Hapoel I mean, Beersheva. Hapoel yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name. I didn't want to pronounce it wrong, so I thought I'd just go Beersheva is the <laughs> lowest point. Like, during banter era, going into those games, I don't think I've been, like, genuinely depressed as much as I was going into those. Like, that, it just felt like, what are we doing here? <laughs> we lost both games. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. No, but playing Brent Brentwood is a bit different. It's a bit of a spectacle, isn't it? I'm full of hand what you're saying. I think that they couldn't really have picked a better time to play Real Madrid. Um, I think that given they're in such a transitional phase, I put into his favourites to win the group. I, I really do. I think playing them at home first gives them to a real advantage as well. I think three points in that game. Inter then have got a fair few match days until they meet them again as well, which is important in yeah. games that, you know, are a little bit more straightforward. Like you've mentioned, Sheriff should be six points out of six. You know, I'd back most teams in the competition to get six out of six against them. And then into O'Shaktar for me, after last season, I thought Shaktar, you know, did the dirty a little bit. And, you know, the way they celebrated as well was a little bit sort of out of order, celebrating such mediocrity. But I think it, it, it's it, it's going to be an interesting one. I won't like to call the game too much. You know, I think Inter will be the favourites in my book. But I think I'm going to be a bit more toward the draw the more and more I think about it. Just because I think Real Madrid will be quite cagey. I think Real Madrid will settle for a draw. I think that bit of experience behind some of their players will sort of play into it, you know, into a bit more naive. So I think on the face of the game, I think it'll probably be a draw. But I, I definitely think Inter will go through this year. I don't think there's any doubt in that. And hopefully they can finish top of that group. And that might mean that they get a more straightforward draw too. So. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. No, I, 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 I still think. No, I'm, I'm, I still think that you know Inter are going to win three one. Um, I, I think that Inter it's going to be. I think Correa and, and Lautaro are starting together. I think Dumfries is starting, and I think Tuku and Lautaro and Chalanoglu will score, and I think Camavinga will come in and score for Real Madrid. But let's talk about that Sampdoria game because that's something that is really. I mean, it, it's. Um, everyone who knows me on social media and on this pod listening to this knows that I'm not exactly the kind of person who holds back when I think Inter are deserving of criticism. But I look at that Sampdoria game and I don't really know what to criticize in terms of what they really did the best out of a out of, out of a crappy situation. Um, the only thing I would maybe criticize Simone Inzaghi for is maybe, you know, that in terms of the Stefano Sensi thing, I would have maybe demanded he come off and not allowed him to play. Because it was quite clear that since he did not want to go off, he was so angry that he had suffered another injury and that he was in pain, but he wanted to continue. And I think maybe an, a Conte or a 
or a you know more more experienced manager would have just pulled him off immediately. I think Inzaghi, given being a bit younger, wants to give these guys a little bit more leeway. Um, but that that's the only thing I can criticize him for. Other than that, I mean, Lautaro, the the, the South Americans landed at like what two a.m. one a.m. on the, the night the game was going to be played. So I can't, you know, the, the more the night before the game was going to be played. I mean, it was it was it was impossible for them to to do anything better than what they did. And 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 I mean, I think I mean, if we compare to Sampdoria, the results last season under Conte, well, Inter dist- lost against Sampdoria and played an awful game away against Sampdoria, and that then afterwards, obviously, famously, they started that amazing run and everything clicked. But the way I see it. It's plus one on last year's results in terms of points because Inter beat Hellas away, they beat Genoa at home, they drew against Sampdoria away, a team they lost to last season. I mean, Fulvio, do you think I'm being a bit too positive, Mr. Po- too positive or ne- positive here, or what's going on? Have I stolen Mo's crown of Mr. Positivity? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's good. It's good to be positive in this in this stage. It's uh, it's nothing. It's nothing that you'd be ashamed of. Uh, it, it's okay. It's perfectly okay. Uh, I mean, I I don't think of I I, I don't believe uh, about on that on that theory of uh, the plus one because uh, the game against Sampdoria last year was completely different. It was a random uh, a random loss uh, if I remember if I remember correctly because there was a penalty not scored. Uh, there was uh, there was uh, a lot of things that uh, did not work, uh, uh, but uh, it was different. I think that. Uh, it's something that you should expect because uh, Inter is not playing by the book, and uh, we we were used to this, uh, especially in the second part of the last season. The game with Conte were practically all the same, uh, and uh, it was a it was the same recipe, but it was a good recipe because it was a winning recipe. And now now Inter is not playing by the book because, of course, with with Inzaghi, you can expect to have the last the, the same. Uh, uh, the same approach and the same uh, scenarios of the of the last season, uh, and uh, I can notice that uh, that the guys, uh, especially the defensive side, not not the the defensive players, but uh, the defensive phase by the squad, was not made correctly, but not uh, on the on the perspective of the tactical stuff and positions and positioning. But uh, the, the psychological approach was a little bit insecure. You know, they, they didn't play yesterday like the champions of Italy. And uh, that's that's what we should expect at the, after 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 the after the, the summer that uh, that we spent because uh, they lost the, they lost the coach and they they rely of course to the coach because they knew they have a, they he had a winning recipe. They lost the 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 playing leader uh, Romelu Lukaku of course. Um, so you cannot expect that uh, the Inter is going to be in the perfect track right now, and probably it's 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 not something that is re- realistic to to expect. Uh, I mean, uh, what is uh, two two things that concern me uh, on the on the Inter uh, season on the Inter start of the season, especially um, it, it is uh, this uh, this lack of confidence that I that I noticed, especially on the defensive side. If you remember, I mean, Bastoni was out, okay, but uh, you know, it's very different since uh, since the last games of the of the of the last season. I mean, the, the last part of the last season is it's something completely different. And yesterday, I had the impression uh, and the, the feeling, the strong feeling that uh, each ball that came into our area was a problem. 
and uh, that that is something that uh, I didn't feel in the in the last part of the last season. Um, and uh, the second one is that uh, probably there's some player that uh, is not going to have an easy time to to digest the swapping on on the on the on the coach uh, from Conte to Inzaghi. And one of uh, them uh, I uh, I expect and I fear to be Brazovic because uh, I saw now and this is just a suspect because it's the beginning of the season, of course. But I saw that there's some problems. Uh, to be on the same uh, on the same uh, uh, on the same play with Chalanoglu, and it was the same subtle problem that Brazovic had with Eriksson when Eriksson first came in. Um, so Brazovic has now have now a too difficult game, but he's not in a bad shape because if you see him with the Croatia, he, he actually played good game. I think that uh, he's going to he, he need to 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 find again a place in which he, he's central. And with Chalanoglu, you need to understand uh, what is what is his place. Um, so that's that's what I fear. I feel that some players can actually uh, need to uh, getting used again to to the to, to their role on the on Inter since the since Conte Conte is gone. But uh, on the other side, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, and uh, as you as you recall, uh, there was a lot of alibis. Uh, and uh, with this thing on the national team, I will uh, I, I will come to this to to it because we need mm. to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, on I, you, you know all 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 considered, I mean it's just it's just a, a draw game uh, on the on a on a difficult uh, on a difficult uh, field like Sampdoria's one. So mm. it's not something that should really concern us. We we just need to see if there's a path on it, and especially when it comes to the lack of confidence uh, and uh, a little bit uh, uh, struggling in finding a balance. Uh, Inter found the perfect balance uh, last season uh, along the way, and now they need to refine it again. Absolutely. Agreed 100%. I think that's an interesting point on the Chalanoglu-Brozovic thing, because I think they, they will have a little bit of they are they are struggling a little bit to work together but i think but the, but, but to that point i want to say it looks better than it did when when brozovic and Eriksson played together they just couldn't play together in the beginning it looked horrible but uh here here it actually looks pretty okay um but but yeah i mean we'll we'll, we'll see i mean it's it is it is i mean barella for example made so many mistakes um that we usually don't see him do and i i I still think that that's got to do more with the with that he's he was exhausted um playing so many games in such a short period of time and the traveling and and all that stuff so um no i mean i i agree with you with you overall but i mean i i compare like i think over 38 games and that's why i compare game by game like on last season it's like over 38 games i compare where they are plus plus the results to what ended to be a great season and Inter are plus one on last season one point more than they did when playing these three three fixtures against Hellas Genoa and, and Sampdoria uh, who's and let's let's give respect to Sampdoria or a good team I mean Daversa plays good football and and this is a good uh, Damscott I thought was excellent now I, I, I think Inter um, I, I'm not too worried what about you Mo what do you, what, what do you take away what, what's the biggest takeaway for you from this game yeah, I don't know how much we can really take away from this game. I'm, I'm, uh, I remain very optimistic, but I, I keep getting this, this, and and again, my optimism was built on the fact that I understand that the team took a step backwards, but I don't think our competitors took 
uh, enough of a step forward. So despite Milan and Roma uh, and Napoli, for that matter, doing well so far, I don't know if they have the legs to continue a season, uh, especially seeing that they all, I think, all uh, have European commitments uh, this year. So, so this is this is the reason why I think Inter are going to do well. But from an Inter only, like from an Inter-centric perspective, my my worry is I don't know if this perceived lack of control in the game. And we remember we we spoke about control last season so many times, so many times we spoke about control, 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 control. Conte's uh, Inter, regardless of the result would more often than not control the game, control the pace, control where the match was being played. They would impose their tactics, even if their tactics were sitting back and defending and soaking pressure and then countering attack. It always felt like they were in control, regardless of the result. What I fear happened against Sampdoria twice, letting a lead, go, letting a lead slip away, is a lack of control. And Di Marco's goal, regardless of how... Uh, Amazing it was. It it was from a set play that that had been you know sure it was early minutes in the game but it it had been mostly against the run of play. Now we know that you know what quite well spotted the the incongruence between Chalanoglu and Brozovic and, and we know that this was something that happened earlier with uh, Ericsson like you guys both you and Trujillo pointed out. But does Inzaghi have the obsessed, obsessiveness, the obsession, the, 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 the strength of character, the whatever, to find the solution. Paletti was a nutcase. Paletti found solutions. He was obsessive. He was insane. Uh, regardless what you thought of, of his teams, and, I, and I'm not comparing Inzaghi or Conte to Paletti. I think each of them is a manager in, you know, uh, in their own right. But what I'm talking about is this obsessiveness and obsession towards a certain type of play and a certain ethos. My worry is that Inzaghi and his words after the game were, you know, we played well, I'm proud of the performance, we shouldn't let go of uh, uh, leads, but they were two goals conceded in extraordinary fashion. Again, all of it true, but I want more of a, 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 a great white shark at the helm. And we've always talking about, spoken about it's, it's uh, cynical managers uh, being a good suit, being a good match for Inter. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's still early days, of course, and 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 I'm still quite sure, quite not quite sure, quite confident that Inter are going to win the league again because of the fact that uh, on the on like you say on the balance of 38 games at the end of the season, I think Inter will show that will prove that they're the better team. But I expect more. I, I think that Inzaghi is a good enough coach and he needs to believe in himself and understand that he is a good enough coach to do, to do that, to take into that uh, next next step. I think the squad is weaker uh, at the peaks, but uh, stronger as on, on the average. So mm. there are less, there, there are, yeah, there are less uh, peaks and troughs, but on average, the squad might be, might be stronger overall. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I think that, like, like the media and everyone has been saying, there are far more options and far more ways to play uh, and tackle a game 
under Inzaghi's uh, disposal now, especially from an offensive perspective. And the, the rock-solid defense remains intact. So uh, th- th- there's no reason why, uh, why, why we should not control, dominate, and impose our will. And again, it's very difficult to judge Inzaghi on just three matches. And of course, it's a, like you said, the, the South Americans had arrived the uh, dawn of the game and, yeah. and so on and so forth. You know, so, so th- there are a lot of extenuating circumstances. But uh, my like niggling concern is this control. Maybe it's because we are, we've been so obsessed with the control that Conte has entered, exhibited on the pitch. And so we, we, we're so happy about it. Mm. Uh, but let's remember but maybe there are other, yeah, but, sorry, but let's, yeah, let's ahead, remember, sorry. let's remember that Conte's that control dropping points that's something that Conte did in his first season and Inter didn't have control in the first season and that's something that I kept of battling course, of course of yeah, course so we, we go back to the Borussia Dortmund game you know yeah. uh, or, or the Barcelona game exactly. where you exactly. did control for for 45 minutes but over the 90 minutes you weren't able to impose your will because of the physical fitness but what I mean is you could see that there were sprouting seeds of uh, philosophy from the bottom up, they bought Pinkus to enhance the players' strength and conditioning, so that they would be able to impose their will and not uh, uh, and not uh, drop physically in the, so that they could play a certain way. There was a, a cohesive, coherent idea from the training to the fitness and strength coaching, mm. all the way to the the, the 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 style of play on the pitch. And this is what I love. I don't know, maybe that's, and that's not to say that Inzaghi doesn't have this, but I haven't seen signs of that yet. And of course, it's the early days. Sorry, yeah. I've taken so much time. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. No, that's, I understand what you mean. Uh, that remains to be seen. I think he does. I think it's just different because I think you're a little bit um, like conditioned four years of having four, of, of, two insane people at this club and so when somebody who isn't insane who speaks in complete sentences <laughs> isn't a mouth breather you know <laughs> what answers the question he's asked i think that's what's th- <laughs> that's thrown you off a little bit here um jake uh <laughs> just before we move on to the the bologna game um what, what what do you take away i mean we have to talk about the federico di marco free kick i mean what that guy's left foot is a cheat code uh i mean his crosses, his from open play, from set pieces, his shooting. Wow. Well, I just love him. I, I talk about him on a daily basis. I, I dream about him at night. He's, <laughs> he's my favourite player this season at the moment. I, I love watching him play. I watched him really closely for Verona last year, and I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, looking back maybe three, four years ago, it was hard to see where he'd sort of fit into this inter-team. And even when Conte first came in, he was still in and around the squad. It was hard to see him sort of break through. But I, I, I like the story as well. You know, he's, he's an Inter fan. And to go through loan spells at sea on places like the Empoli playing, you know, for Parma and Verona, and to make it back and play an Inter team, especially an Inter team that's been heavily invested in with lots of foreign stars too, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased for him. And, you know, for him to score and make such an impact to such an early stage in his inter career whilst he's trying to establish himself is really important too because it gives him a real positive to use over the coming weeks. So, but I think in terms of the game itself, I think there's, there's no point delving too much into it. I'm, I'm with you on this one, Nima. I think that as much as anything else, it's, you know, you've got to look at the context behind the game. You've got a team of players in Inter's case 
that have been travelling all over the world during the week. You know, Sampdoria a lot less so. Sampdoria quite buoyed at the moment. They've made a pretty good signing. Caputo that's obviously lifted the club quite a little bit. They've had a bit of press coverage from that. I don't think they've started too badly themselves either. I think they've looked quite good when they've played. They play a really rigid system. And then let's look at last season as well. You know, Sampdoria beat Inter at, at the Morassi last season. So, if anything, it's a bit of a positive. I don't think it's worth dwelling too much on it. Inter not going to win every single game. And I know they did for a spell last season, but they're not. There's a new manager, there's a new way of playing, there's new players in the team. The one thing that I've sort of thought about since the game is the quality and depth in the side. What we saw a lot last season was Lukaku bailing into out at times, Hakimi pulling it through. Yes, those players have been replaced with players who we know, you know, we've beaten this drum so many times, we're not quite as good. But in some ways, the squad is a bit more whole. But I'm still looking at some of the substitutions that are made and thinking, is he any better who's coming on? Is he someone who's really going to change the game? You know, I'm not 100% too certain. And what worries more than anything else is the defence. I mean, it looks like Bastoni might play midweek now, which is really good. Because a couple of injuries in this squad and Inter are significantly weaker, I believe, anyway. Especially in that defensive slot. Talking about injuries, another thing that I wanted to mention is about Stefano Sensi. I just think yeah, it's I wanted so to sad. Talk, I, I wanted to talk about that. I'm glad you brought it up because I, uh, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on this. But I, I, I just for me, I, I, I look at it like this: that this was not one of those classic Stefano Sensi injuries. This was a challenge in the middle of the game that you know, and and the and the injury he suffered is the same one that Gagliardini suffered and was out a month. I can't, I don't think this is, we can chalk this up to the Stefano Sensi is always injured uh, narrative because that was a tackle that was pretty aggressive and that can happen to any player. I don't, I, I don't chalk this up to Stefano Sensi. Do you agree? Yeah, I can agree with that. I think what worries me, you know, in the long term is where his mental states are a little bit. I think you could see him visibly shaken a little bit by it with sort of anger. He wanted to carry on. He really wanted yeah. to carry on. And I think he knows as well that people are judging him a little bit and thinking, you know, it's sense he just gets injured all the time. And he's so determined to prove people wrong. I just hope that it is a month sort of thing and we don't hear any more of it and he can come back into the team. Because I have to look at the squad list and I think, oh, yeah, the sense he's in there. You know, we, you know, you think back to that player that, you know, started under Conte. He was, he was absolutely brilliant. And I'd love him to sort of shake those injuries off, but I don't know what it is. I just can't get away from this idea that it's almost not meant to be a little bit. But then again, I thought that about Ericsson and he sort of turned it around a little bit. I mean, I know that's a difficult situation, but still. Well, I mean, let's talk about Sensi. I want to hear what you think, Fulvio. I mean, do you agree with me on that thing? That I I, I don't think that this is a Stefano Sensi is always injured kind of thing. I think this is different. This This was an injury that came from open play. Um, it was a rash. It was a diff, it was a hard challenge, and he injured his knee. I mean, I don't think it's more dramatic than that. What do you think? Uh, I partially agree with you, Nima, uh, because uh, for me it's end of story, but uh, not since yesterday, since uh, since a long time. Um, I mean, mm, uh, regardless of the circumstances, the guy is not physically capable to 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 play football at this level. I, I mean, uh, let's be honest, guys. It, it it was it was it was not an aggressive tackle. I mean, it was it, it it was a tackle that could happen, and I see actually happen like nine, ten, or a thousand times in every uh, Champions League or Premier League game, especially. Uh, I 
and it, it's not Star Sense's fault in this case. I mean, uh, I, I think I'm pretty convinced that uh, Sensei is terrorized by the by the injuries right now. So the, he his approach uh, to this kind of tackles uh, is different. Is different. Let's uh, let's uh, uh, let's think about uh, the history of the injury. That he is now a player that every time that come into the pitch. Uh, uh, even if he don't want, he, he doesn't want, but uh, he actually had this uh, voice in mind that say, "Hey, this could be this could be the day in which mm. you're gonna gonna to be injured again." Mm. And this happens. This happens also with I I, I expect with uh, uh, Arkadius Milik or uh, Nicolas Zaniolo. It's the same. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's probably not his fault, uh, and uh, actually, I, I don't I don't want to blame him, uh, even even though I did it actually, but it was it was during the game, and, and I was I was in a sort of a trance. I don't want to blame him. <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself. We we all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I, just, I, no one's gonna come back and accuse you for saying things you don't. Mean I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to be inconsistent here, but uh, yeah, really, yeah. really, it's uh, it's uh, it, it probably it's probably not his fault right now, but uh, it's compromised. It's uh, it's physically compromised, and we know about that. But it's mentally compromised as well, and that 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 is that is the proof. That is the proof because. Uh, it's 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 not it was not a friendly game. I mean, it was uh, it was an official game in which uh, in which the team uh, was struggling uh, and it was a draw, and you are there to create some chances. Uh, and the first tackle, you go out uh, with no substitution left, uh, and the team is in ten, and uh, the risk of loss uh, is, is going to be increased. I mean, uh, you cannot rely on a player like that, even if uh, it's something that uh, could happen or not happen. That tackle, I mean, but uh, it's going to it's going to happen because this is football, guys. Uh, let's be honest here. Let's 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 talk frankly. This is football, and it needs to happen. And uh, at this level, if you don't have a player that is uh, is capable to uh, to cope with this kind of things, uh, which yeah, that I repeat myself are perfectly normal in every kind of game and every kind of latitude, uh, it's end of story. I'm I'm sorry about that, but for me, it's the end of story. Yeah. At least no. at this level. No, that's a that's a very fair point. Um, I I I I'm. Let me put it to you this way. I'm 75% where you are. The last 25% for me is after he comes back after the, after because this is a different kind of injury um, that, that he's got. Uh, it's the same that Gagliardini got um, and and is, is just come back from. If, for me, after the, 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 the second international break in October, from then on to the end of December, that's where I'm going to, that's what I want to, that's when I want Stefano Sensi to show, really. Like, come on, you know, is is this is 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 he a what we say in Swedish, you know, football invalid, meaning that he can't play football at this level at all, or is he, you know, or or was it, you know, is there is there still still hope? Um, I'm gonna reserve my judgment after that, but yeah, I do agree with you, Fulvio, that it it does seem like that. It absolutely does seem like that, and it's a shame because it's a be- it's a fantastic player, it's a fantastic midfielder. Uh, Mo, where where are you on uh, Sensi Gate? I, I, are you are you are you Mr. Positivity here as well, or what's the deal? Yeah, so I've seen too many careers uh, ruined by these uh, niggling injuries that don't uh, that don't uh, really uh, you know keep a guy sidelined for six months, but are just these recurring three to five week injuries, six week injuries. And they come back and they're never really fit. Uh, a good example of that is uh, Egypt's uh, very own uh, Mido Ahmed Hussein, who 
was a very bright prospect at Ajax, and then his adductor muscle uh, just uh, his groin continued giving him troubles, and you know, groin injuries, uh, one of those things. Mm. So I think, uh, and he and he was crazy. I mean, let's let's. And he was honest. crazy, of course. Yeah, no, no, he's not. <laughs> Mito is he, one of my favorite not... characters in football ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> uh, it's it's the first uh, first example that comes to mind, but uh, you know yeah. we we know so many of them. You know, uh, just uh, their careers have been stunted by these injuries, and not uh, not like uh, uh, for example, what was his name? That uh, really good uh, uh, Dutch midfielder at uh, Roma. Uh, uh, Strootman. Strootman, yeah, Strootman had a double ACL, I think, and never yeah. never really uh, found yeah. himself afterwards, and uh, spent his time in the in the league. So I think uh, there's that kind of player. So I think overall, I, I, I really do think it's best if, if Inter and uh, Sensi Parkways in January and, uh, or ASAP in a manner where we say thank you to the guy. There's no doubt that there's an amazing player somewhere inside there, but it's just uh, it's too difficult for, mm. for us. It's, it's such, a, such a, an important role that you need to either have somebody who's Sensi playing there consistently or someone who's not. But you can't have him step in for a few weeks and then leave and step in and, and leave again, you know. So uh, I think that this injury uh, causes uh, being uh, relevant to his uh, long string of injuries aside. Uh, I think it's uh, it's time that uh, we say bye bye to the or uh, to the Sensi story. Mm, for sure. I mean, we do. We yeah. I mean, he will. One game he will miss uh, undoubtedly is the game against Bologna on uh, Saturday. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the game begins at 6 p.m. CET, 6 p.m. Italian time. Uh, so, and it's a Bologna that you know, it's it's a good Bologna. It's in terms of the players on paper, but we, um, it's Mihailovic, and you don't know what to expect from Mihailovic. Uh, he can he rotates. Is and I remember last season when he, when because the problem with Mihailovic is that Mihailovic thinks he's a better coach than he actually is. He was a fantastic player, but he's not a fantastic coach, and he thinks he is. He's the best dressed. He's the best dressed coach in the Serie A by far, but he's not tactically as good as he thinks he is. And I remember the game when he, that going into the game against Inter, where he decided to play a three back three, and 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 it was leaked in the media, and he started talking about I'm going to find the mole who leaked this, and in the media in in the squad, and I'm going to drown them and all that nonsense. And it's just you know it's a bit of a sideshow. I do expecting to. This is a game that I expecting to 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 win fairly comfortably i do respect bologna i really like their players i mean they have so many young good players there um and arnautovic will cause inter-central defense problems we saw in the euros you know he's the guy is strong in the air and he you know he he can he can hold he can hold his own against all defenders so he will cause inter problems um but yeah no i expect inter to get back to winning weight i don't think inter can afford to to not win this game um uh, so I'm, I'm I'm gonna go with a one nil one nil one nil win, Jekyll. Uh, what about you, Mo? What do you think? Yeah, this is a game where I'm uh, I'm definitely more optimistic than you. I think, uh, and I think uh, the, the mid midweek result, barring of course, you know, uh, everything crossed fingers, toes, the whole lot crossed. Uh, no, nobody uh, gets seriously injured midweek, and fitness stays up. I think we're gonna blow Bologna. Uh, out of the water, I think it's uh, it's a clean sheet, which is very very important. 
we need to keep the goal uh, clean. And I think uh, two goals will give uh, will give Altaro and Jacko uh, a goal. Mm. What about you, Fulvio? What kind of uh, what kind of a uh, game are you expecting and results and prediction? Uh, well, first of all, I I expect this to be I want this to be a good game because it's the game in which I, I will be back in San Siro after two years. So I mean, oh, nice, nice. Yes, yes. So it's uh, I I expect this to be good actually. They they owe me. I expect this to be good. But all jokes apart, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not so confident about the clean sheets, and I think that uh, a lot of this game depends uh, on uh, what happens uh, in the game against Real Madrid. Um, you know, I I I talked about this lack of confidence that I see very clearly in the Sampdoria's game, and this needs to be solved. And uh, and a, and a solid performance against Real Madrid, uh, regardless of the result, uh, might help in this uh, in this way. Um, so I expect uh, not to be a clean sheet uh, because uh, basically we have uh, we, we 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 don't have actually now the. The guarantee from uh, our defensive player, especially one that uh, is capable to to keep the, the to keep the clean sheet, um, but I expect a victory. So I will go with a free one, uh, but uh, I expect this to be tougher than the result suggests. Mm, fair enough. What about you, Jake? Uh, I think the Real Madrid game has a bit of a bearing on it as well. I think a positive result against Real Madrid, and I think Inter can find themselves with a comfortable sort of 2 or 3 nil victory for me. Uh, I'm with you with Bologna as well. I think that Mihalovic has underachieved with that team. I think they are a decent side. Players like Musa Barro, Soriano, Orsolini, there's some decent players in that team. Dominguez, maybe if he's going to push on a little bit too, I think they're underachieving. And simply due to that fact, I think if Inter can score first and get their nose in front, I think it could be a pretty simple victory. So I'm, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say 3-0. Well, that's that's there. You heard it. Four wins. Um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity. This week's Moji, which will be presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Yeah, thanks, Neymar. Um, so I think that uh, we need to address an elephant in the room today. And probably it was an elephant in the room until two years ago, but now it's a mountain in the room and uh, we, cannot, <laughs> we cannot expect this to be to not, not to be seen. And I'm talking about uh, the international break, of course. Uh, we need to do something about these guys because uh, it's uh, it's unrealistic to, to go to go on. Uh, uh, to to go on as uh, to 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 make people travel uh, uh, on back and forth uh, around the world uh, and expect this uh, to be to be this in the same way that uh, that it, that 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 it used to be before the before the the, the strikes of the of the COVID nineteen. I mean, uh, it, it, it's time it's time to it's time to cope with this because uh, we we don't see institution that is. Is going to cope with this. All that I all that I heard from uh, from Infantino, the FIFA CEO, is uh, like uh, yes, the, the club needs to understand that uh, we are important. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I believe that, but uh, I believe that club do believe that you are important. Otherwise, they cannot accept something like this as as you as we said in the beginning. 
we have uh, we, we are touched by this, we are affected by this, uh, as we have the two out of uh, of three strikers uh, uh, at disposal that uh, basically came back from the South America, so the the the, the other side of the world. Uh, just hours before the game and they have another game in three days and we have a sort of situation uh, like this uh, in which uh, each part of Europe. I mean, uh, you cannot continue to do like this. You cannot uh, you cannot afford uh, a situation like the one that happened in, uh, in Brazil, in the game Brazil against Argentina that was actually suspended because uh, the authorities <laughs> find out that, uh, you, you know, it's, 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 a, I don't, I don't know uh, the, the word in English to, to uh, to, to, to describe this, but uh, it's something that uh, you cannot expect this to happen. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's a fantasy game right now. It's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's, not, going to, it's not going to be, to be real. Uh, this game suspended after four minutes uh, with five players uh, that uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't into, the, into the COVID protocols. And I mean, uh, it's individual responsibility to, to respect this COVID protocol. We know that we are all in the same boat here. But it's also something that needs to be really, really regulated in a different way. And uh, uh, I mean, uh, the club uh, are, mm, I, I, I mean, they're disposed to let the players go uh, at the end of the day. And uh, they, they do a lot of efforts to do that because uh, uh, we have three international break in the, this part of the season. And, uh, you know, these things happen um, in Brazil, uh, and uh, we have another break in October, other World Cup qualifiers, uh, and nobody is addressing about, uh, are we going to do this uh, to avoid that? Uh, it's something that uh, just pe- people, it's, 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 it's a sort of a thing where, where people uh, in, in charge just ignore the problem and say, yeah, let's go ahead with the World Cup uh, uh, until the World Cup, and then we'll see. Um, so and this World Cup will be played in the middle of the season. Uh, so we need to uh, basically bring forward the leagues, uh, bring forward the Champions League. It's it's a mess. It's a mess that needs to be uh, needs to be addressed right now. So uh, I, I think the situation cannot be ignored anymore. Uh, I think that uh, this uh, is on top of other problems uh, when there's an international break, and one of these is the fitting on the player. We know about that with Sanchez. Because uh, we spent a lot of times, uh, especially with Conte stuff uh, last year, spent a lot of times to get Sanchez fit and solve the problem, and that he got in Chile, and uh, actually came back with the same exact problem as before. So he just he just basically undo the work uh, of the stuff. And Sanchez is not paid by Chile, actually, it's paid by Inter. I mean, it's pretty rhetorical to say that, but it's just the truth. So mm-hmm. let's find a solution, FIFA, and the solution could not be the club uh, needs to. Uh, needs to be flexible because this is not the situation and this is not real and uh, you need to do better. That's all. Amen. Couldn't agree more. I think the only suggestion that I've read that I actually liked was uh, the Wenger solution about having twice, one month in fall, one month in spring, where you have all the international breaks, South America and Europe, like a mini tournament over four weeks. All the European and World Cup qualify. All everything is decided one month in 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 spring, one month in fall. I mean, especially during the pandemic, this notion of traveling back and forth, and and when you already have no fans in the stands, they're playing in front of empty stadiums. So the home and away thing is also it doesn't have any effect. Um, so no, I, I I agree with you. I really think that this yeah, is, yeah it's, it's, this is something it, this is something that's it's, it's pretty fair. I mean, uh, every, every kind of proposal right now is uh, is accepted. 
but let's talk about uh, let's think about the the, the the comnable qualifiers the south america qualifiers with the round robin why do you go you you really knew at the, at the beginning of this that you have a problems and the, most of the south american national uh, players uh, are actually traveling in europe so why you go with the round robin with first and second leg let's go with a with, let's go with a neutral Simple. with a neutral pitch yeah. let's go with a neutral pitch i mean uh, the, the the chances are uh, the chances are the same basically let's go with a neutral pitch it's not difficult to address but uh, you know it's uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, of parts to be that, that need to agree with that uh, and uh, you know it's that that's that's a comfortable way what what we're seeing right now it's just a comfortable way so it's uh, it's something that needs to be solved Absolutely. Right, let's move on to something much more comical, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Jake Smoggy. Well, not many people will know this, but today marks the one-year anniversary of probably the best miss in the history of football, to be honest with you. Um, if you've never seen it before, you need to go onto Twitter it's doing the rounds at the moment, and I've, I've laughed each time I watched it, to be honest with you. It needs some Benny Hill music in the background to make it uh, totally worthwhile. But in the Belgian top flight last season, KV Oostend uh, played against Mechelen, and you have to watch the full clip to believe it. There's a really random cross into the box. The goalkeeper comes up his line, unchallenged, punches it straight to the attacker. He squares it across the box to his teammate, Vrancic. All the way across the box, he's literally on the goal line. He trips over his own foot and bumps into the post. So that made me laugh this week. And also, on that note, you must, if you have Twitter, type into the search bar, Scottish Tiki Taka. If you want to see the most <laughs> horrible brand of football, you must look at that. The, the floor really is lava. I'll repeat that again, Scottish Tiki Taka. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> just that title, Scottish Tiki Taka. And also, it's, it's the same thing. It's on par. That just makes me laugh. It's on par with... Jordan Henderson Regista highlights on YouTube. It's, it's the funniest thing ever. Like, it, it, whoever made that, like, I'm, you know, that compilation video is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, right. May, may add, may add, sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. guys. May I add something here, some, cool. some context here, because uh, pro pro probably not uh, not everybody know about that when they're going to find the video. But this is this is not new, actually. This is an oldie. This is yeah. from one year ago. Yeah, he and, said uh, it was the one year anniversary today. Yeah, exactly. And the best part is that uh, the guy that missed the, the 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 goal in this comical way, uh, his name is Aster Branks, is one actually of the best prospect in Belgium. And uh, this mistake uh, does not stop Wolfsburg uh, to to bring it in the team for this year. So this year is is playing in Wolfsburg. So he make a step ahead on this career despite uh, being involved in this error. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's absolutely. Uh... Yeah, it's it's the worst thing I've ever. I mean, it's it genuinely. It's it's even worse than Gagliardini's against I think Sassuolo. Was it Sassuolo, that where he was alone? I mean, I, I think I've I've saved it somewhere, but I think it was Sassuolo when he's like alone. Yeah, I think it was Sassuolo when he hits the crossbar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, yeah. Was. yeah, Sassuolo. Yeah, right. Let's move on to something much more positive. This week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Mohamed Nassan. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent and. He surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, quality. Tough uh, comparison or tough choice between Varela's uh, um, performance overall or uh, Di Marco's uh, goal. But I think uh, this week's Moratti, for me, after a bit of reflection, has to be uh, Di Marco's performance and goal. 
uh, it's been a while since you've seen someone take free kicks like that. Uh, so uh, he's my Morata of the week. Absolutely. I mean, like, as I said, the guy's left foot is a cheat code. Uh, anyone who follows me on social media and listens to this pod knows I was in love with this guy. I didn't want I didn't want Conte to send him away in his first season and go with Cristiano Biraghi, uh, who I also liked and who I also wished really well, but I would have preferred to keep Di Marco. And, and then Hellas Verona, I think he's been outstanding. And the reason well, he can also play as a, you know, he can play as a left wing back and he's, or a left winger or wing back or whatever you want to call it. And also as a central defender to the left. He does that really well. And his crosses from open play, from set pieces, his shooting, free kicks, open play. I mean, the guy has a... His his foot his left foot is a cheat code. It's ridiculous. It's 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 absolutely outstanding, and it feels so good that Inter have players who can actually shoot now. Uh, intercept pieces are setting. You can say what you want about Chalanoglu, but he can deliver a corner and and score from a free kick. No doubt about that. I don't know. I don't know if you're all aware about that, but uh, Di Marco is actually born and raised in Milan. Yeah, so he's played for Inter when since he was five years old. Yes. So local one, I think I probably the the last the last uh, player uh, scoring the last scoring player for Inter born and raised in Milan probably was Beppe Bergomi, but really back in the days. So that's that's a bit of romantic. I'm glad you said that because we had a question about that on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, um, and I knew you'd be the guy to ask. But Cristiano Beraghi wasn't he born like in Navigli, like the heart of Milan? Like isn't he raised in Milan? Can Beraghi I score? think I think I need to check, and I'm going to and I'm going to check on on live right yeah. now. But I think that uh, it's probably on the um, yes, it's uh, the, the 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 place in born is Cernusco sul Naviglio, which mm. is not actually Milan. It is not actually so oh. close to Milan. It's like uh, uh, how can I say? It's like 30 kilometers east mm-hmm. of Milan. Uh, so yes, it's actually Milan. You can you can involve uh, this in a greater area uh, of Milan, but it's not the city, you know. And Di Marco okay. is from the city, like me, so it's ah. uh, it's it's different. Yeah, yeah, and no, no, exactly like you said. Okay, fair enough. It's like it's like being born in Reading or in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. I get you. That's that's a good point. No, I mean, but that's the thing with Di Marco. I mean, he he started playing at Inter when he was five years old. He came up through the youth ranks. He's been loaned everywhere, and he's an Interista through and through. And it feels good to have a you know. I keep banging on about this. Good to have. I be, I really believe that a football club it feels well and is healthy when it has players that are important that come from that area. And I think with Bastoni, Barella, and and Di Marco, especially Di Marco. I mean, that's, you know, we used to be spoiled with that, with Zenga and Bergomi and all that. But now, and he, he, Milan had Maldini and, and, and Baresi, etc. But now, you know, you have, this is different. Um, uh, so I think it's really important. I think it's really important to have that local connection. Right, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank Ben. Be sure to check Ben Hayward out on Twitter. I'd like to thank you, Fulvio. It's good to have you back. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, of course, as usual. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Mr. Mohamed Nasa. It's uh, been a great episode. Thank you very much for having me back on. And uh, six points. Mr. Jake Smalley. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me once again. And I'm really looking forward to Real Madrid game. And let's hope that we're right, Nima. Absolutely. Uh, and until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzeri, wishing you a good week. Stay safe. Listen to your authorities. Take care of each other. Six points. And sempre e solo forza Inter.